In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. But everybody can see that moment where I just saw it. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Incense Podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Blaine. And we didn't pray this morning, so let's see where this goes. We should stop and pray. No, 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 no. no. You're right. We're going to be right back, right back after this break. Okay, so we're back from outer space. Do you know the actual line? I would have changed that stupid line. No, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no. And we're back from outer space to talk about the first weird thing that comes into my head. Wow. Didn't know we were going to be taking that kind of a gamble today, Blaine. Do you know what a quango is? Are you kidding me? quasi-autonomous, non-governmental organization. <laughs> is that a starfish? No, it's a real thing. <laughs> is this a place? No word on whether or not it's unchained. Wow. And you really make people jump through the mental threshold. This is like your limbering up stage of the it podcast. It is. I gotta get not like yours, but the listeners. I gotta get gotta get loose. Yeah, exactly. Today we're gonna teach you the tango of the quango. We were sitting down with Alan, who is the producer of content. I don't know what his title is actually. No, he gets like a producer. He's a producer. He's, he's in there. He's a producer. He's behind the glass wall. Yeah. Super creative. Super creative. Alan producer. is our super creative producer. <laughs> <laughs> he had a good idea. He said, hey, looking back at the 20s, looking back at the Anson's content, what are sort of three do's and three don'ts that you would come up with that you would give to a young guy? Yeah. Because the times are what they are, because our minds are as stressed as they are, we only ended up, ended up with one list in this episode. That's not true. I have a list. Okay. You have a list in your head. Yes. But we can use my list on paper. Oh. Uh, and then see where we go. That you can kind of agree or disagree with. Right. Uh, I think it's interesting the ones that came up for me because they are perhaps very general. Yeah. And was that surprising to you that they weren't super specific? I think what was really surprising to me like, was… Don't t- don't date Tabitha. <laughs> exactly. Dude, I… Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What was most surprising was how hard it was to come up with a don't. Really? Because I think that if a guy is tracking with Ann's sons, I think that that guy would have to make some pretty crazy decisions. Like he's a kind of person who I think is unlikely to tank his 20s. And I think also that it's just that on the far end of the decade of the 20s, they start to seem actually really hard to ruin as that kind of no-wasted-time thing mm. bears out or I start to believe it more. I didn't know you were so positive. This is, this I is best, great. <laughs> this is, I guess I'll just 
play the skeptical one this episode. You could be like, don't. I'm like, I have have several stories of people specifically who would say that's not true for them. (laughs) But I don't know that they would consider themselves a follower of Anson. So maybe you're right. Um, You want to start dues? Sure. Give me a do. What's one of your like end of the day, end of the decade, looking back, what's something that you would say absolutely do this? Okay. I'm not sure if you're going to think this one is cheating. Is it Jesus? No. <laughs> it looks like a squirrel, but it's Jesus. This is the, you guys, it will help you to believe what the sages, the older men, at least in this orbit, are telling you in terms of the nature of the decade. And especially what I was just saying mm-hmm. of, that there is no wasted time, and that, as Brad Beck said, walk with God, don't plan too far ahead. I think that the reason that I sat down and after thinking for a while, I took some notes and I was like, what was number one? And I just wrote the word believe. Mm. And I was like, what is it? Is it believe in Jesus? Is it believe in what? It's like, yes, those are good things to do. (laughs) But what I was realizing is that A lot of the stress and fear and wheel spinning of my 20s came from thinking that I really did have to figure it all out. Because there are strong voices of like, you know what? Make the right decisions in your 20s with your finances or you are ruined for life. Yeah. Make the right decisions with your career because two degrees off and you're going to hell. Yeah. Or how about make the right decision with your education or the kinds of things you learn how to do because that's going to open the biggest opportunities later on. Yikes. I just, I'm going to swear here, you guys, parents, you can mute it, but to go, those guys are so full of shit. Mm. And to go, I don't know any stories that I would like to live that follow all those rules. And that at the center of a life with God is a surprising, exploratory, non-linear adventure story. Mm. Now, of course, those best practices can be a good holding pattern. But I went, man, whenever I'm able to believe that there's no wasted time, I'm able to actually live into the story that I'm being given to live. Yeah. Like, whenever I believe that I don't have to plan all the way through the decade, I'm able to actually see a few things that are in front of me and to lean into those. And it goes better. Mm. I think the permission to explore, uh, to embrace the exploration, to embrace just building the holding places for development later, like beauty and love, uh, that's a wonderful thing to be able to do when I'm not in panic mode of don't mess up this decade. Or actually the fear that I've already ruined the decade by the time I'm 23. So <laughs> now I have to recover it somehow. Exactly. Okay, so this is making me want to flesh this out a little bit. I've noticed internally this this shift from, you know, on the one hand, hearing there's no wasted time. There's a part of me that goes, Oh, like, thank goodness, because I feel like I'm behind everywhere. And there's another part of me that goes, 
that can't possibly be true. Right. Because I'm behind. I, uh, I made the wrong choice for when to start grad school or I made the wrong choice about when to get into business or I could have worked as a bartender in the Twin Cities for forever. And that was good for a minute for character. But then I had slipped into the wasting time phase. So then just like insert any guy's story and go, I'm still a barista or I'm not married yet. Or we got married really young, had kids right away. And so my 20s weren't this cowboy phase. It was responsibilities. Something I'm aware of is for that part of me that feels like it has that, no, that's not true response. There's a lot of different like metrics of success presenting themselves Mm, again. Yes. They're not true if I think what it means to be a good man is to be a millionaire. Totally. They're not true if what I believe success is, is everybody thinking well of me and then I have a doctorate. It's not true if arriving is doing a certain career, whether that's being a doctor or working in ministry. And if I'm doing anything less than that, I have failed. Right. This is the belief thing. Like we have Dallas Willard calling out to you now from the halls of the past going, the most important thing is not what you do, but who you become. And I go, yes, and I am going to become rich. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I know. I've had conversations. Bart is a great example because he sort of drifted into this almost mythic-like nature for the people that have been to a boot camp or have been around the Wild Heart world long enough. They're like, here's this cowboy Californian spine fuse from parachuting on the plains of Texas, airplane flying successful businessman. And what he's saying is, don't worry so much about what you're doing. Like you, you should care about who you're becoming and and God is the adventure and love is the adventure. And as a 20-year-old man, I was like, well, sure, you can say that because you've got all the money, you got the big house and you fly airplanes. Yeah, for fun. Exactly. You grew up to fly jets. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's where I go like, okay, the no wasted time thing. I like, I do, I want to like put a big caveat on it. There's no wasted time if we are present to what God is inviting us into. Yes. Because I think you can waste your whole life. I do. I think you can waste days. I've certainly wasted days and I've seen years go by. And and that's when I am not paying attention. And that's when I am using different metrics to measure myself. And I can waste time and God can redeem it at any point in my story. So at any point that switch can be flipped and go, hey, it wasn't wasted because now I have your attention and now I can speak and redeem your story. And now we can walk forward together. And that's where I go, isn't that amazing how that can happen? But if there wasn't the now, you could miss it. Otherwise, we'd be, you know, universalist here who's like, make whatever choice you want and go to Vegas, do the hookers and the gambling, and there's no wasted time. It's like, well, no, that would be really bad decisions empirically. Yes. But that was just, that's too much of me, the the caveat guy. It didn't work so well in Killing Lions. It was like, do this, but, but you need to hear if as long as you are a student of your heart and and are aware of what Jesus is inviting you into, I don't think there's any wasted time. Yeah, I was with an older guy at the beginning of the year who 
began a talk that he was giving with a similar caveat, and I loved it. And he went, you know, the first thing that you need to know is that you are where God wants you to be, unless you are living in outright rebellion. You are where God wants you to be. And I do believe at this point that the extremes are actually about that intense, which is like, are you running from God? Are you chasing things that people know have no eternal value? Money, sex, fame. Like rock and roll. (laughs) Are you you listening to that new rock and roll music? Because if not, because if the target is a life with God, is Mm. some element of initiation, some element of desire, some element Mm -hmm. of living in the direction of virtue, then you're pretty much on time. Right. And this is the thing for me where I am very impatient with myself and my perfectionism gets in and I'm like, I, I am okay as long as I am massively exceeding expectations. As long as I feel Woof. like if I am five years ahead of where I should be, then I am on time. That's what it feels like to me. And therefore, I find like I have a kind of an emotional response when we used to ask this question of every single guest and everybody started giving the same answer. So we stopped asking it. And it was like, if you could go back and give advice to the guys in your 20s, like, what would it be if you, to yourself? And basically the answer was, I would tell the him, me, like, slow down. It's yes. going to be okay. There's a lot that's ahead, but you need to just be in the moment. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, if that's like the universal advice that gets handed back, then that seems to really work well with this. The time is not being wasted if you are present to it. What's your next one? Um, do you want to go do and then don't? Could be fun to go back and forth. <laughs> so, yeah. What's, uh, your, what's your first don't? My first don't, I snuck uh, a few things into. And <laughs> it's only supposed to be three, Blade. Well, but they're kind of like synonyms, parallel behaviors. Are they homonyms? Three slashes. Don't hide slash isolate slash refuse opportunities to repent. Whoa. And two of those feel a little different than the third one. Well, let me let me make my argument here. All right. You know, hiding is easy. We've we've talked a lot about how shame is one of the enemy's great weapons to destroy human beings. Mm. And it's funny. You know, it it could be a portion of your life or it could be what your grocery budget actually is. Mm. Like, you and I were having a conversation about money yesterday and I didn't, part of me just did not want to share like how much I've actually spent this year. Yeah. But I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I listen to the shame and serve the shame, it will go poorly for me. Mm-hmm. My heart will die. This is bad. And that was pretty low stakes. But it was like, because this is just a conversation over a margarita about how our lives are going. And um, feeling financially stressed. And feeling financially stressed. But in the midst of that, you wanted to like hide some cards close to the chest out of shame. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
it kind of goes with that, like, that isolation that the enemies divide and conquer thing mm. of you yesterday. Well, a lot of things happened yesterday, I guess. But oh, you were yeah. like, as you progress into your 30s, you were saying how you've kind of gotten over not saying how you're feeling because other people are probably feeling the same way. Yeah. And <laughs> in this season, I've been really having an intense experience of despair off and on. Mm. And it's been really helpful to share that a lot because a lot of people are feeling that. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, it's not just me. I'm not the failure. It's less personal. And it's like, oh, wait, you're feeling despair too? Well, you're, I feel like you're doing great and you're feeling despair. Okay, so maybe this is a bigger thing and therefore it doesn't have the kind of power yeah, I think that massively motivates a lot of the content we've been putting out recently of these conversations around depression or anxiety. And, you know, it feels like that, that lace is just about every podcast you and I have done on parenting. We're like, I love them so much. I fail so bad. Yes. <laughs> it's okay. It's like, guys, in your 20s, there is a lot that's going to go wrong. Mm. There's a lot that's going to happen to you. And then it's like, there are a lot of minor to major mistakes that happen. And that I made. Sure. And I would go, they only became dangerous when I felt like I couldn't talk about them. Whatever they mm. were, don't hide. Don't isolate. Don't listen to shame. The reason that I add that refuse opportunities to repent mm. is that it runs right along trying to hide when you feel like something's going wrong, trying to isolate when you think like something is just you. And when I listen to shame, when there are things to own, I end up not owning things that actually aren't a huge deal. Mm. And man, there's a very intense verse in Ezekiel 13 that's about sorcerers and witches. You oh. thought sorcerers weren't going to come up with time. But one of the things that God <laughs> says to the witches is that you encouraged the sinning man, the erring man, not to turn from his ways and therefore save himself. And it's this like, ooh, man. Uh, you said that you've seen some guys blow up. It's like, yeah. By the end of your 20s, like— I've seen guys kill themselves. I've seen marriages melt down. I've seen and guys— end. Yeah. You see the first line, the first string of divorces, and you see some pretty intense meltdowns. Mm -hmm. And one of the things there is that combination of hiding and isolating and not taking the opportunity to own your shit when it comes because it doesn't have to be a big deal and then like walk out your life with people. Yeah, the isolation thing is huge. Just had a meeting with a young guy. Not a young guy. I mean, my age. Might even be a year older than me. But he feels like he's young because he's doing this. He's doing the isolate, hunker, make your world really small. At this point, when I see a guy doing that who's in his like early 30s, I'm like, this requires an intervention. I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm not going to like enable this by thinking what you're doing is okay and refusing to let other people speak into your life. Like, uh-uh. Either this becomes an intervention and you start seeing someone to help you 
not me as your friend. That shouldn't be my role. Then like I'm I'm out of here. I, I'm not gonna just I'm not gonna have a front row seat and be passive and watch your life explode. And I, as I look back on my own life and seasons of unhealth, I think of like there's a difference between like the self-protecting hunkering that I've walked through and like the isolating, stagnant shame piece. And that, and that I think should feel instinctually different, but maybe the former, like the hunkering piece, that can sometimes be like a recovering. I've experienced a lot that's heavy and I can, I just need to be alone. And like that can actually be okay, but that also isn't long lived. I think of C.S. Lewis's uh, Grief Observed. He, he talks about like he wants the home full of people. He just doesn't want there to be a need for himself. And to me, like that's a really good indication of, oh, I, I'm not isolating. I do, I do need to hunker and like pull inward for a, a season. But this might be a good limits test of like, do you still want people around or do people around feel like they're going to expose the thing and if they would all just leave you alone, you could keep living in the way that you know is toxic and unhealthy and not moving towards growth. Yes. I, gotta say, I want to say one more thing on this point, which is that it just helps to know in your 20s and it helps for the shame and it helps for the repentance piece to know that like the mistakes and the outright rebellion, the things that people do are way more crazy than people talk about in church. Yeah. Right? It's like... We'll just put a parental warning on this whole thing, I guess. <laughs> because it doesn't help anyone to be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm, uh, I'm kind of struggling with, like, I think I'm drinking too much. And to be like, here in Christendom, we can be like, there's kind of boundaries and mistakes. But to be like, you guys, it's just the boundaries of unfortunately normal destructive behavior are, like, so much crazier. Like, intense drug addiction. Gay affairs, like intense, like crazy promiscuity. And I was talking, you know, I've had actually quite a few conversations with guys all over the country and world who are like, yeah, man, I'm just kind of having a hard time, like, uh, in my relationship with my girlfriend right now. And, like, the first thing in my head is, like, you're having sex all the time and she's pregnant and, like, that's probably what's going on. Yeah, or, yeah, like, or you're having too. sex with her sister. Like, that's kind of what I'm expecting. Yes. And I'll usually, like, ask them, like, what are you talking about? Right. Because I think that you don't feel comfortable going, like, yeah, I'm just trying to learn how to set boundaries. I'm, like, I think you're trying to learn, like, how to stop getting a blowjob every night. Like, that's probably <laughs> your real problem. Like, that is a shocked laughter for me. <laughs> it's like okay. when someone's like, yeah, I'm kind of struggling with pornography. I'm like, I just kind of think you're flat out all night addicted. That's probably yeah. what's going on. No, I remember there was an article I read when I was in college that we can use the word struggling in, in the world of Christendom. Christianese struggling is, I'm doing a thing and I know that it's bad, but I have no intention of stopping. <laughs> right. So... Reality is more intense than most of us admit. But it's helpful to have, like, um, a more honest picture. It might not be that significant, right? It's, uh, yeah. There are other men in my world who the issues are, in air quotes here, like, less dramatic. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yeah, yeah. But then there are guys in my world who it's like, you know, you have a codeine addiction. Like, mm -hmm. like 
these are things that happen to ordinary people. Right. Yeah, at a moment in time where like the dial is turned all the way up. Where it's like if things go bad, I think I've asked two different people in the, within the last week, have you considered suicide? Like that's, that's becoming a normal question for me to need to ask people who are, I'm not doing really well. feels like life is just one big dead end. Those are the words that came out of a guy's mouth last night. You know, the guy, oh, I want to have an intervention for or get out of his life. And it was like, oh, okay. Have you considered killing yourself? Like that's the extreme. So when I had somebody ask me, this is a couple of weeks ago, I was hanging out with a buddy and as part of the program I'm doing, I need to do five counseling sessions at least. Like, just get me back in the chair, which is great. I just got to find the right person for that. And he's like, well, who, what do you think you might want to talk about? And I found myself being like a little bit embarrassed that it wasn't this like turned all the way up thing. Like almost there's this thing that happens where it feels like it needs to be that dramatic. Like we need to let all of the oil bleed out of the engine and the engine's falling apart before we decide like, oh, it's worth it. And I was like, well, I, I would love to be able to work on my marriage. And I'm, I'm like to, I, can, I can see some patterns emerging where I'm not, I'm not seeing her as well as I should. I'm not fighting for her as well as I should. And I want, to, I want to work on that before it becomes a problem. And so I think that might be a direction that I go. And it was like, wait, really? Yeah, like, it's like... That's what you want to talk about? Like, yeah, no, like legitimately. And that's just where I am currently at in this moment in time. And so you just have this, like, on the one hand, that feels too small to even get addressed. And it should, like, we should wait until it becomes this massive, like, blow up where we need marital counseling. And, we, you know, we could do that. We could wait. We could get there. But uh, the isolating piece feels to me like... I don't know. What's the... Is it NOS that they use in Fast and the Furious? Like, it's that <laughs> yeah, gas that you, the- like... Nitrous oxide, which is like... Into the engine. It's the thing that just causes it to skyrocket exponentially. Those places where there's unhealth or sin or you name it. Isolation really just compounds that to the nth degree. Yes. What's your next do? It's so easy, actually, because we've kind of talked about it. Number two, do. Get eyes on your story. Ba-ba-da-ba. What do you mean? Uh, I think a few things. I mean, like, uh, if you can even have one other person on this planet who is walking your season out with you, do it. What? Like, who? Just imagine a guy in India. You're like, who's? Well, no, it's like the. We talk about isolation. We talk about loneliness and go. Band of brother. Pray for at least one other person. Mm. Like, find the other person. Embrace the partial. If it's a therapist right now, that's awesome. But just having someone who you're kind of checking in with, like yeah, a friend in our church recently was like making a kind of one of those joke compliments where he's like, Blaine, how do you feel that all of your friends very quickly end up in counseling? And I was like, You well, push their buttons. I'm like, well, I hope, yeah. I'm probably, probably involved in some way, but also I like, when I find out no, they haven't. that a guy has never been to counseling. Yes. I'm like, well, you. This is Sparta him into a counseling. Exactly, office. <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, what I do is I, I wait until it's hurting the next time, mm. and then so it's like, oh, I just lot, file that away, and then the next time they're like, man, it's just kind of another rough week. I'm feeling like I don't know how to spend my time. I'm like, hey, I have a couple therapists I would recommend. I've yeah. built up my Rolodex. 
yeah. of therapists to recommend to people and go, bro, I'm telling you, you will like it. It might not feel good, but you'll like it having an external observer hear the story of your life right now and point things out to you that you have not noticed. Then come back and tell us what they said. At this point, I am only going to be referring people to therapists for whom I have an affiliate link with. <laughs> I know, I would like, like, totally. I would like to be seeing some of this, these profits. Yeah, uh, this can actually also begin with just certain books, right? Like I think of Frederick Beekner's The Gospel as tragedy, comedy, and fairy tale. I think of Dan Allender's To Be Told. I think of Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. I th- like there's. I would read those in that order too. I think that was a good presentation. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a nice way. Um, Work your way towards logotherapy, um, <laughs> because they're frameworks. Yeah, and in this case, the first and then the second two are kind of separate from each other. Like seeing the world around you as a story, and learning to see the gospel as a story, learning to see yourself as a story. That's a really good and helpful place to begin if you're like, oh, I want somebody else to like have eyes on my story, so I'm going to go join this accountability group. It's like, well, that's not exactly what Blaine was saying. Um, I would encourage you to become a student of your own story and how it fits into the larger story in your 20s. And that can begin with a book and then work its way towards therapy or friends who you go, hey, I've begun understanding my life this way storyboarding exercise that was something that you and i did with um the loki's last year and that's one where it's like i think that'd be a cool exercise for a guy's group to do i think that actually might have ended up in how to tell your story as a chapter in a book that luke wrote on a men well luke and padre on a year with men it's like this is an important part of being known is a learning how to read your own and then be inviting people to read it with you so that c You can figure it out in real time as it grows and changes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. My second don't was don't try to live like an old man. I like to putter around my garden. Does that mean I should stop doing that? No, you should keep doing that. This is audience-specific, right? This isn't something that I'm going to go onto a state university campus and say. This is like, Anson's followers, we know who you are. and. The 20s are an interesting decade where the stakes get real fast. That, yeah, that's remember true. Remember that happening. Yeah. And there's a kind of an intensity. There's an experience of a need to be, for me, like more mature than I am. And I can look at the lives of men who I admire in their 30s and 40s, and I can try to live that way. And hmm. certain things suffer. My capacity for play suffers. My willingness to make the characteristic mistakes of a guy in his 20s like goes down. And it's interesting that it's actually not helpful to want to avoid mistakes. People in every discipline know this is true. Oh, yeah. In writing, you got to embrace the shitty first draft. Like in, in weight training, people injure themselves because they want to be seen lifting more weight than they actually know how to lift. <laughs> and... So, like, really good strength coaches are like, go down in weight, drop, drop 50% of the weight you're lifting, like, learn how to do this, and don't be afraid to be seen not knowing how to do it. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that's one. I, I've actually really enjoyed this because the way it's worked out for me is I'm now in my 30s. I'm done pretending like I know things. <laughs> I don't like feeling like an idiot. Don't get me wrong. And so now I'll just like avoid being in those situations if I can. But there's, you know, when it comes to we're doing some financial stuff on the house or we had this plumbing issue earlier this year or the, the car mechanic, like let me just pick like the more obvious ones for men. I'll ask them what they mean. Like, what are you referring to? I don't know what that is. Yes. Why does this cost that much? I'm not going to pretend to be like, oh, yeah. Oh, no, that's not worth that. Oh, one of those things? Nah, man, I'll just do that myself. Like, I'm like, nah, I don't know what you're even talking about. I can't even find that part. Is that next to the elbow? Like, no, you're talking about a car. The car doesn't have an elbow. Oh, right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So I have found a lot of relief in not pretending like I know any more than I know. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it's good to ask, I think, a guy in his 20s, do you like the fact that you're young? Ooh, and if so, or if not, why? Yeah, exactly. I think most of the time I did not. Man, the things that hindsight affords, how much time I spent in the 20s talking about how excited I was to be 40 slash 50. Wow. And it was like, oh, wait, I don't think I actually have as good of a picture of like, hmm what a great version of the 20s looks like, as I should, as a guy who talks about this for a living right now. <laughs> yeah, and I had uh, another friend who dreaded the coming of his 30s. He was like, I I'm in my peak right now. I I'm in my peak I of my hustle. I got to build. I got to like get all of the things done because I'm going to start getting more tired and my brain's going to not be as sharp starting next week. And I had like this pushback to him. I'm like, well, I'm actually excited for the next decade because I feel like we begin to see the fruit of what we've been doing in our 20s already when we time we hit our 30s. Like your metabolism slowing down. <laughs> I know. You're just not as sexy anymore. <laughs> you just can't pass it off on like youthful energy. Like if you if you have been an asshole, then you've been able to hide it behind being in the football team. <laughs> Professional sports probably are done for you. And so now you are just an alcoholic and... And, and, and now like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now you're wrestling with that. Just be where you are again. I'm going to do my third don't so that we can end on a do. That's good. Way to be, way to be Mr. Positive. Right. We're going to end on, end on a real upper. What's your third don't? My third don't is, again, has some forward slashes. <laughs> All right. And it's a way of linking concepts that people would maybe not think of together all the mm. time. Okay. I would say don't rush forward slash make decisions in anger forward slash do be careful what you do with your despair. And <laughs> mm. this is a don't that also has a do in it. Well, uh, you can see that you were constrained. <laughs> you can see why. <laughs> Needing to, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I, was, that I was trying to talk about here was like, it is okay to be young. We're not annulling mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. It is okay to have a heart that is in process. Mm -hmm. And also the pain gets real and, the, and life gets real. And one of the things that happens when those things start to converge that I experienced in real time was that... I started to hurt 
And it was hard to know what to do when the deep places in my soul that were negative, that were hurting or were angry or were something like that, when they surfaced. Mm -hmm. And where does the don't rush tie in here? Well, like, so the don't rush is, man, those things usually tend to come out at important times. Mm. And I think for me, the permission to take a lap was really important. Like, I wanted to leave the church that I was a part of Mm. often in my 20s, comparatively. It wasn't an everyday experience, but I can point to, you know, several seasons where I was so mad. And I can think of pivotal conversations with friends in the season where what I needed to say was, I feel really frustrated. I actually can't have this conversation right now. Or maybe it doesn't need to be a hostile conversation. Em and I trying to make some decision about where to live or kids or something and recognizing when everything is agitated, going like, I need to hit the brakes. If this decision needs to be made tomorrow, I bless you to make it. Go for it. But I can't. I I need to sort out some things or to vent some things. I'm not ready to decide whether or not to make an offer on that house. And Mm -hmm. if we miss it, we miss it. Mm -hmm. But like I've seen guys begin to do lasting harm to their world by like the deep places get stirred up and they don't end the conversation. And then when it sinks again, they let it sink and be like, oh, this is like… That's like buying high and selling low in the stock market. Be like, <laughs> don't vent low and then sink high, right? Like, <laughs> oh gosh, where the stuff starts to surface, go ahead and take the lap. Don't rush the decision. Don't push the issue. And then when it sinks and you have a little equilibrium again, don't let the water just smooth once you know that there's a dragon in that pond. Mm. Don't just wait till it comes out and eats the next pedestrian. Be like, <laughs> there's a dragon in there. And, you know, we may not need to dive in the pond and kill it right now, but we need to address this problem before we open up the park again. I'm really into this metaphor. It's kind of like a (laughs) Robert Bly, Iron John kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think the the piece that this feels echoey to is the don't waste your pain thing. I felt that, like, that need to basically have it all together and didn't like it when cracks would show or when the dragon in the pond would come out and eat somebody or, you know, I have felt very triggerable. And so I would try and like shore those up. And I would say that maybe the opposite is the better choice in this decade, which is be curious about what is going on and trust that if you walk into those, you are not going to die. You actually need to walk into those for the sake of better health and wholeness in the immediate future and on the road. That's good. All right. Our last do. Yes. Do you remember our podcast on why spirituality is difficult for men? Uh-huh. Because after a lot of thinking, the last thing that I boiled down was Make enjoying Jesus something you're committed to learning how to do. Mm, 
I like the way you phrased that. Rather than like, enjoy Jesus. <laughs> like, uh, okay. You have to figure this out. You have to figure, it is, it is man, mm-hmm. for most of us, a very steep uphill battle mm-hmm. to getting to like, why can't it be a learning curve? How do you, burn? well, learning curves are usually shaped like steepening uphill battles. <laughs> oh, no. Learning to perceive God is one thing. Learning, like, I loved asking people the question, what were the things that made you fall in love with God? Mm. And I usually like to listen to the answer for, has that happened yet? Like, maybe you still love propositionally the story of God, which is a good thing to do. But have you encountered the person, Mm. Jesus, and come to enjoy his company? Yeah. Which is a thing that I'll tell you, like, I am not a master. I am a student. Effing student, man. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> figuring out how to do that. Figuring you've probably uh, bumped all of the language-sensitive people at this point. Yeah, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're not I, hopefully years ago. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, this is one where I think we make it overcomplicated. And I, I think back to the conversation we just had with Padre a couple weeks ago where he was encouraging, like, it needs to be simple or you won't do it. And I was reading that about diet. I was reading that about exercise. I've been listening to Rich Roll's book, Finding Ultra, and he's talking about those two things, about like as he was learning how to care for his body well, it needed to be super simple or it wasn't going to last. Couldn't be over, like, so he doesn't, you know, in that case, he doesn't count calories. He doesn't worry as much about making it overly complicated what he ends up eating. And I think this is this is super helpful in, in terms of like learning how to love your rhythms of Jesus. Again, there was somebody who I was chatting with last week who I think, I think she mentioned that she's doing like four or five different Bible studies a week. And that that felt, I was like, oh, this is reminding me of a certain stage where you're like, I've joined this church. You got to do this group and this group and this thing. And you got to sign up there. And if you don't like this, well, you maybe like our worship night. And I, I think most large churches have created sets like an offering to try and meet everybody somewhere that a young guy can kind of go, oh, I need to like, do all of these things or like all of these things. And since I'm not the guy who ever learned to play the guitar, worship kind of feels odd to me. I like going into the mountains, but then all of a sudden I just start thinking about my life. So I would say as you're doing this, it needs to be simple or it's not going to last. It can't be overly complicated. And pick a thing and commit to it for a while. That's why I liked our February experiment. It was like, pick something. And it was walking a mile every day. Make something like that, that level of simple, that level of like, I'm going to um, do a minute of quiet time every day. Like a a minute, oh my gosh. Because I think instead, I know I do this personally. This is where I'm kind of like pushing. It's not, I'm going to read the the Bible in a year and I'm going to start up this guy's group and we're going to host a basic and, and you start doing all these things. And then because, at least with me, perfectionism, gets in the way and I can't do it perfectly, the whole thing comes crumbling down. And I realize instead of learning a new relationship and falling in love with something, I have been doing performances and grandiose actions. And I felt like those would be the keys to my success when really they were the keys to my downfall. Woof. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so. Man, it's just, it takes, I'm aware. It takes a lifetime to learn how to do this and to get all the pieces. Mm-hmm. I was just back in 
C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, and he's writing about the law of undulation, and to be in time is to change. And so the nearest approximation we have in, of, of constancy here in time is returning to a height and then falling away from it. And to go, yeah, yeah, meaning there's a seasonality to your life with God, not like a constant, I do this forever and it works, because mm-hmm. it doesn't work that way. But in the season that you're in, there will be a way to enjoy God. And it might not be the thing that you always rely on. Try the basics. Remember the find God in what you love. But that requires choosing to find him there. Remember the you do have to do something. Some input can be helpful. Like, I think I forget at least once a year that I really find God in books. Mm-hmm. I forget that, and I just don't have anything around that I'm reading that's kind of stoking my imagination. Yeah. And then I remember it, and it's wonderful. But there are seasons. Last summer, I just found, I just like, I invited God, Jesus, I ask you to meet me in mountain biking. Mm. And that was it for me. There was a whole summer where that was kind of the sweet spot of like the evening ride with God worked. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of other things did. In the season I'm in right now, it tends to be writing. It tends to be books. Uh, I'm like really digging Christian Byzantine chants right now, which is a thing that I've never said before. Wow, yeah. But that's actually, it's come out of needing God, needing to be enjoying God and finding a lot of the things that would normally work. Like, you know, I'm a huge daily audio Bible fan. Shout out to Brian Harden. And I've loved that four years as like an evening ritual. Mm-hmm. It's just not working right now. And prayer is not really working right now. So I've been ranging around in this season to go, what does my soul respond to in like encountering and enjoying Jesus? And I'm going to make that a part of this season because mm-hmm. it's so important. Yeah, I think the two for me, there have been certain poems and poetry that has been speaking to me more in this season. Like I'll just sit with something and um, I've taken up the practice of if it really strikes me, I like write it on my whiteboard in my office and it's just going to live there for the month. So I've had one up for the month. Clearing by Martha Postwild. Postwild? Her last name is just like a tongue twister for me. Postwalda. Yes. It's got, <laughs> I made a joke. It's got literally every consonant in the alphabet in it. Um, super good. I think if you just bother trying to Google that, you will find it. And the other is silence, like practicing one at least once a day. And I like sit on the ground and sometimes I'll set up a timer for like 15 minutes and sometimes it'll just be a handful. But those for me are the ways where it's like quiet the noise, focus on beauty, focus back on God. And that's been what's working. And I appreciate the permission to have it change in season to season. Yes. It's good. It is possible to really mess up your 20s. Mm. You could choose to rebel against the direction that God was leading you, against God's heart for you. You could choose to chase things that you actually know have no value. You could choose to shut your heart down and check out. However, if you choose, guys, I'm serious, almost anything out of a desire to live your 20s with God, 
you can choose almost anything, mm-hmm. and it's almost impossible to mess it up. If you just the slightest turn of, I want to live in the direction of wholeheartedness. I want to know God. I want to live in, or I want to live in the direction of maturity. Or I want to live well with God in this decade. Any of those targets that go, man, if that is your goal, you cannot fail. 